Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Tracy Thomas, your host here at The Stacks. This week is our The Stacks book club conversation with Lauren Fanella, who was also our guest last week. If you haven't listened yet, definitely go back and check it out. Lauren has some amazing book recommendations for you, so definitely check it out. This week, she and I are talking about Michael Poore's book, Reincarnation Blues. It's a book about a fictionalized world of reincarnation, and it's pretty cool. It's sci-fi, magical realism, craziness. So that's what we're going to be talking about. But before we get there... Also, please make sure you subscribe to this show. I ask you every week, please subscribe, please rate and review. I know it seems like such a little thing, but honestly, I wouldn't ask if it didn't go a long way. So if you could take the time to write a review or to rate the show or anything like that, tell your friends, tell your family, I would be so, so appreciative. If you're looking for another way to support what we do here, there's a website called Patreon. It allows our listeners to support the work that we do, help us keep the lights on, help us keep the website up, help us to create great content. It's called Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash the stacks, you can contribute to this show. In exchange, you get exclusive access and insights into the show, including, and this is exciting, we're working on our fall books. So November, December, January. So I guess that's winter too. And our Patreon stack packs members are going to get first dibs on helping suggest the books for the show. So If you join the Stacks Pack, if you go to patreon.com slash the Stacks, you get to have a little say in that. So please do that. Check it out. We are forever, forever grateful to anybody who can help support the show. So thank you in advance. Now, something that I wanted to talk about before we dive into the show, which is totally unrelated to sponsors or Patreon or even the episode, is negative reviews. This weekend, author Celeste Ng talked about negative reviews. Um, Celeste is the author of both Everything I Never Told You as well as Little Fires Everywhere. Um, She's pretty popular right now. And she brought up on Twitter about negative reviews, about people um, tagging authors in their reviews and also people not writing negative reviews because why bother if you didn't like the book? It's not doing any good, Um, more or less. And you know, I feel very passionately about negative reviews. I personally think that they're super important. I think that it's a way for people to give their opinion. If you think about it, not so much as a written down review, but just as a conversation between yourself and your social media community or your newspaper community or whatever, I think that there's an obligation if you write one review 
that you should be writing reviews of of many things and that you should be inclusive of both positive and negative feedback. I also understand that, you know, there's a way to write a review without being snarky or condescending or cruel. And I, I think that that, all that stuff, you don't need to do that. If you have a strong opinion about something, share your opinion. Your opinion should be strong enough to carry that. Um, here's what I want to commit to you guys about negative reviews, just because I think it's important for me to tell you and, and to make a stand about how I feel about it. And obviously that can change and I'm open to hearing from all of you what you think, but here's how I feel after reading a lot of your feedback, um, when I asked for it this weekend. So here are the things that I, Tracy at the stacks are going to, I'm going to commit to you. One is that I'm going to commit to be respectful People are creating art, they're writing books, um, whether I'm talking about a book or a movie or a musical or whatever, I'm going to commit to being respectful because I know that it's hard work to do it and it's really easy to be snarky and dismissive and I don't want to ever do that. I want to take someone's time and energy and I want to treat it with the respect that it deserves. I'm also going to be honest. Um, I think it's really important to be honest and thoughtful and to articulate exactly what it is that I didn't or did like about anything. And I think that that's sometimes where people run into issues is that you're not articulate and then it kind of just becomes, oh, the writing was bad and that's not really helpful. So if I'm going to write these reviews, I want them to help you and explain to you, you know, my opinion of the book. And that's not to say that you won't love the book, but this is my opinion. It's my review. Um, Another thing that I want to just, you know, commit to is that if it's something that has to do with the genre that I don't particularly love, I'll let you know. I will write in my review or I will say, I'm not a big fan of young adult fiction. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. And I think that that's totally fair. Um, another thing that I think is, is fair is that I'm going to commit to being truthful just in the sense that if I put out 10 reviews and all of them say great things, how do you know what to believe? How do you know, you know, when I'm being honest or not? If I will never write something that is not hundred percent true to me in that moment, um, whether I get a book for free, whether I get a book from a publisher or from a partner or something like that, any product I review, anything that I talk about, I promise to be honest with you guys. I will never tell you something's great when I think it's crap. I just won't do that. So I want you to know that you can trust my opinion. Now, you might not agree with my opinion, but that's on you. Um, So that's kind of where I want to stop with this conversation. I'm super open to all of you you know, commenting or messaging me on social media, on the website. Um, The website is where you can find all of my reviews for every book I've read this year. It's www.thestackspodcast.com. On Instagram, Twitter, wherever, there are links to those accounts in the show notes please feel free to engage with me about this topic. I'm very interested in it because I am someone who's known to give a lukewarm review to something. So I'd love to hear what you guys think. Um, This is going to be an ongoing conversation as I bring on more and more guests who are content creators themselves. Um, And I just want to say again, I have the utmost respect for anybody who makes or creates anything. So all my reviews are coming from a place of critiquing the art, not the artist. Unless I think that the artist needs to be critiqued, but I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, So that's it. We'll put a pin in this for now. There might be more follow-up on this next week. Um, So yes, thank you guys so much for those of you who shared, who commented on your thoughts. I really appreciate it. This conversation is is a big one and I want to revisit it a lot. Okay, now on to the episode. This week, Lauren Fanella is back. We're talking about Reincarnation Blues by Michael Poor. There are definitely spoilers this week. So if you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen. Read the book. Come back. The episode will still be here. 
that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and please make sure to hit us up and let us know your thoughts um, on social media or wherever. All right. We are back this week with Lauren Fanella, um, an important reader in the reader world. Important to me. Important in my heart. Um, and we're talking, it's our Stacks Book Club episode. So we're talking about Reincarnation Blues by Michael Poor. This book is the story of Milo or Milo. We can't agree. So we're going to call him both things. And he is a human being who is living his life and being reincarnated over almost 10,000 times. And it's his story of trying to find perfection and trying to find love. And his love interest just happens to be death herself, AKA Susie. So that's a little bit about the book. We're going to dive in deeper, but before we do, I'm with Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Welcome back. Hi. Yay. Yay. Okay. We're going to talk about the book. We're just going to dive in. Oh, no, wait, we're not diving in. There are going to be a lot of spoilers in this book. This book is fiction and we took the time to read the book. So we're going to talk about the whole thing. So if you haven't read it, if you think that you might be interested in this book, pause now, go take your time, read the book. This episode will be here. It's episode 16. It's waiting for you when you're ready. If you don't care and you just want to hear us talk about a book, let's go. All right, Lauren, what did you think of Reincarnation Blues? So I liked this book. I was entertained the whole time I read it. Um, I wasn't 100% in love with it. Um, I think it was, I know we talked about this a little bit, but it was a little bit disjointed for me. It felt more like a collection of short stories than a novel, but I was entertained from beginning to end. I will say that. So those are kind of my initial thoughts when I finished the book. How about you? I, well... I started the book and I was like 50 pages in and I was like, yo, I love this book. This book is so great. Like this writing is like really cool and interesting. And I like the point of view of the author. I'm totally into it. And then at about page like 120, I was like, how come this book is so long? Like what's next? And then towards the end, I was like, wait, I still like this book. So I would say if the the book I think is like 370 pages and if the book had been like 270 pages, I feel like I really would have liked it. But the middle kind of like lost me. It was a little disjointed and it, I also have written down like in my notes, this could, could just be a collection of short stories with the same characters. Right. I felt the same way. It could have been a little bit shorter and that... I liked how he had like short chapters, but the way he did that made it kind of feel more short story ish right. because he titled the chapters and that was like the chapter was about this specific world and that mm-hmm. was kind of it in that world. So that's, I think, kind of right. reinforced that whole feeling more like short stories. Totally. Um, so just a little bit about the book in case you haven't read it or you don't remember it, you read it a while ago. Um, the book is about Milo or Milo. <laughs> I've been saying Milo. She was saying Milo. So now we're just saying both. Um, I'll probably say Milo and she'll probably say Milo and just get over it. Um, so Milo is a human who has lived for thousands and thousands of years. And every time he dies, he comes back in a different life. And the idea is that people are striving for perfection and perfection kind of in air quotes, maybe, um, whatever the, the universe decides is perfection. Um, so they use an example of this cow that commits suicide to feed 
a family in India. And so like that is this act of perfection. Um, and they say it's perfection because it's neither the cow is neither proud nor afraid. So it's like this ultimate sacrifice um, that doesn't serve the cow in any way. And like that's perfection. And this cow then when when they die, they have this huge celebration and they go into a place called the Oversoul, which is like the most perfect place for this cow, essentially. Right? Yeah. The Oversoul is full of joy and happiness, I think they describe it as. And something I thought that was interesting is when he first finds out that he dies and comes back, he thinks he has, they say, oh, you have thousands, you have thousands. But then when he is at, I believe, Mm 9,994, his advisors, who we'll get into who they are too, but... They are like, oh, just kidding. You actually only have 10,000, so you're going to be out of your lives. So if you don't get to perfection, you end up going to nowhere, I believe is what they call it. Yeah, which sounds horrible. It's like a sidewalk (laughs) with like nothing around it. And you just walk off to nothingness, apparently. You're just alone, like, and no one finds you ever again. So if you take over 10,000 lives, you, if once you get to 10,000 lives, you're done, you're awash. So that kind of puts like a time constraint on the book and it sets Milo up to be, um, trying to find out how he can be perfect and achieve perfection so that he can go live in the oversoul. But the other thing about Milo is that he, so everybody has a death and death is like who comes and kills you. And so his death is this girl woman named Susie and they fall in love. And so part of it is that he doesn't want to be without Susie and how can he die and achieve perfection, but still remain with Susie. So there's like kind of a love story, but it's more like they're partners like, I didn't really feel like they were in love so much as that, like, they loved each other. Right. And I think she kind of says that being in love is a human thing, whereas right. for capital co- L love, capital L love is a cosmic thing. And that's kind of what she was talking about. And I thought it was kind of interesting because on the the synopsis, it kind of makes it sound like it's a love story. Mm-hmm. And it's really, for me, it wasn't it really wasn't. a love story. It's definitely more of like a journey finding oneself yes and so what I liked about the book what I really liked about the book is I felt like Michael Poor had a very clear not agenda because that kind of has a negative connotation but he has very clear like political beliefs and views I felt and I thought he did a really he had really interesting ways of kind of telling us how he like what he thinks the perfect world is right because like that idea that the cow was neither proud nor afraid and not being part of their perfection is something that Michael Poor feels is perfection right like that's his version of perfection and throughout the book he really is advocating for certain lifestyles or certain you know political beliefs and that was what I think drew me into the book Like, I was interested in that. Yeah, he's definitely making a social commentary about global warming, prison reform. Yeah. Just what is good and what is bad in general, I think. and Totally. um, Just human nature, I think. He's really making commentary and just used this novel as a vehicle to express his views is kind of how I felt yeah about it and I liked that yeah I liked that too that he was you know knows what his point of view is and is 
you know knows how to express it and it it didn't feel preachy which I liked like I felt almost creative yeah it it kind of sneaks in there almost if you're not really closely paying attention to it you might not even fully pick up on all of the commentary he's making some of them are really obvious like there's a whole section about prison and it's basically just like a whole life about prison reform and like what if we treated prisoners humanely like what would their potential be essentially um and so that one I felt I was like this is very clearly like social commentary. But then, you know, there's moments where he just like, there was one part that I really liked. He talks about crypto economics and he says that crypto economics is like cryptozoology, which is the study of um, animals that don't exist. So like the Loch Ness monster or Bigfoot. And then he says, and I'm, I'm reading directly. He says, Oh no, I'm not reading directly. I'm, I'm not reading this directly because I didn't quote this part. But basically he says the study of economics that aren't real is crypto economics. And he uses the example of economic people who believe that if you take away taxes and you make rich people richer, that somehow that's going to help out poor people. And then he says that's the economic version of Bigfoot. Which is just like the the way that he ties in his political beliefs with kind of this casual like that's Bigfoot is what I thought really worked because he he makes a statement but then he also kind of like flows it around the tone of the book right makes it kind of into that magical realism world right he's yeah doing a metaphor basically right and I feel like a lot of the times in books like where you're getting people's like political beliefs, it's much more clear or it's nonfiction. Right. It's either a fiction that's just trying to force an opinion down your throat right. or yeah, nonfiction, which, you know, a lot of those, that's the point is right. to express yeah. their opinion on something. But yeah, it didn't really feel overly preachy to me either that, oh, you need to believe this. And right. It was more nuanced. It was more nuanced. And also, I think the fact that he used this, I don't know if we consider this book science fiction. I think it is kind it of science is. fiction, magical realism. Sure. But I think using that world allowed him to not feel so preachy because we don't get to die a thousand times you know so it's like you know putting it in a different world I think allowed you to kind of feel more open to it totally and he presents Milo to us as like this really wise person because Milo has lived so many lives and so I feel like that's also part of it like a lot of the things that he says are reflections that Milo's had or observations or things that Milo comes to so it's kind of wrapped in like this is just someone's opinion and it's not like an opinion that Michael Poor has researched and has decided this is the fact. Like, so it, it's more uh, approachable. Yeah. And actually you mentioned how Milo's very wise. I thought it was kind of interesting how I forget who said it, but someone said, you know, being wise isn't the same thing as achieving perfection. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was super interesting, you know, because just because someone's really intelligent and smart doesn't necessarily mean, I don't know if they're saying mean they're a good person or not, but just that that's not what perfection is in this world. Right. You know, the self-sacrifice and, you know, the humility. Right. And like the love, like Mm -hmm. you can have learned a lot of things and understand a lot of things without actually ever having to give of yourself is kind of how I interpreted that. Yeah, definitely. Because the, the part of, 
perfection aside from the cow example they also talk about like capital l love and they talk about um learning and like teaching and that being another way you can get to perfection but all of those things really have to do with the person sacrificing or giving or being available and vulnerable for other humans and you could be wise and never do that exactly so I thought that was yeah really interesting because a lot of people value you know intellectual ability which you know I do value but there's more to life I think is kind of what he was getting at right right exactly totally I totally agree um I also, well, I guess, what did you think of the personification of death? Like, how did you feel about Susie being a character? I kind of was thinking, why is, do I feel like death is always personified as a woman? I feel like that's a really common thing. Is is death a woman in the book Thief? Did you read the book Thief? Uh, Yes, I did. But I don't know if if they give a gender to it. I don't really remember. remember. Um, But... I liked that she was, as death, was pretty empathetic. Mm -hmm. That story with the whale and how she didn't Mm. want the whale to die. Um, I thought that it was, you know, showing that death knows no limitations, you know? Like, it's everyone's going to experience death. Mm -hmm. So even though, you know, it might be not that people think it might not be their time and whatnot. Right. So... And I thought it was just how she want. I thought it was interesting how she wanted to open a candle shop and yeah. stuff, and still have her own personality because she didn't like being the thing that the last thing people see before they die and see people in these horrible situations. Right. So I think just seeing her, I I really liked her actually as a I character. I think she might have been my favorite character in I the think book so too. because. I think she had a lot of nuance to her. And she like felt sad about killing people. Exactly. Like, like she didn't enjoy it. And where I feel like a lot of times in movies and stuff, death personified likes it. And it's just this evil, sadistic right. being. But she was not like that. Well, she wanted out. She didn't want to do it anymore. It was like, take, it was too much of a toll on her. There was like a school fire. And they talk about how she was like really sad after that. And I was like, yeah, yeah that would be really freaking hard yeah. to have to kill a bunch of children. Um, I, I liked it too. I wasn't sure I was going to, there's a line. I, I guess I really liked the writing of this book, like the way that poor wrote. Um, but he has a line where he talks about, uh, Milo goes like with death to go see perfection to go see the cow. And he says, flying with death was like being in a sleeping bag with a sensuous woman and a tarantula. <laughs> and I was like, this is so great. And that was like early in the book. That's page 58. And I was like, I love this book. Yeah, I remember that line being so like, good. I don't even know how he came up with that. I but had to I reread like it. it. I was like, wait, a lot? I was like, ooh, sure. Sure. I don't know, yeah. but I'm willing to find out. Yes, that's exactly what I was like. Yeah, that's like I could feel how death might feel like that. Yeah. Like flying with death might feel like that. Um, were there any lives that particularly stuck out to you of Milo's, Milo's that you loved or didn't love? I, I get why this life I think was important to the story, but I didn't really like it as much was the one um, it was in the future and he built the palace on the sun and he was just this mm. horrible rich person and he wanted to take this woman's artificial virginity yes. and 
it, she ended up sending a robot and they gave him a plaque that said you he's taken the virginity and then the palace blew up and right. then he came back I think as a it was like a cockroach or a beetle yeah, a or, something, or something a bug yeah. in his next life that one was like oh yikes but I get why it was necessary for his development right. as a character um I thought the one about um the prison where he gets sent to prison I think the prison's called Unfirth the planet was really interesting um he you know gets falsely accused of sexually assaulting a girl and so in this world um you get sent to a planet where you're just there for forever and the way um it was just kind of showing how society kind of like treats their right like as soon as he got there he got beat up and raped yeah and raped and And then then he he got basically he was owned by someone essentially and then they would like pimp him out out, like warm out to other prisoners and then he had this unique ability to be able to go out in space without a spacesuit i think it was and um so then he was super valuable but he found out he also was able to heal people's minds and so people were more compassionate and then they were able to build this community and I thought that was a really cool idea and so I really liked that one a yeah. lot how about you what were your I like that one a lot um because that also touches on that whole like political right. like agenda not agenda but the political point of view of the author which I really like because it's saying like what if we took the time to heal these people who are in jail, who are our criminals. And, and there is, this is not in this section, but there is this really great part. Um, it's in chapter nine, which I know off the top of my head because in the acknowledgements, which I loved, they're really good. If you didn't read them, you should check them out. Um, he talked about how he got the idea from Alice Walker. Alice Walker had an article or a short story. It's called sent by earth, a message from the grandmother spirit after the bombing of the world trade center and the Pentagon. And they talk about a tribe in Africa where when people commit crimes, instead of instead of the trial being like a running through of what happened and a con- condemnation of the person, the whole town gets together and they talk about how all the things that that person had done that was positive and all the love that they had shared. And it was stuff like, when I was hungry, you gave me a piece of bread. When my mom fell and twisted her ankle, you helped her cross the street, whatever it is. But that that's how they have their criminal justice system. And, you know, that was very early on in the book. So then when we got to Unfirth and we got to this world where he was healing people, it was, I really liked that. It was like, oh, you, this is something that's important to you know, perfection or to a better life is like that you're healing those that you come in contact with. You're not, you know, fighting back. Like, cause the other option is that Milo gets raped and is abused and is forced to do all these activities. And then he gets meaner and tougher. And instead he heals people. Like instead he figures out that his way out is healing people. And then when he gets taken off the planet, he goes into this deep depression cause he can't do that anymore right and I think he actually used it as a point that he was in prison wrongfully too as part of his Mm -hmm. statement because that is a major issue in our country where people are wrongfully incarcerated and then the effects that can have on their mental and physical well-being after even when they are exonerated so I think he kind of did that yeah intentionally totally too. I didn't even think of that but you're right yeah and there's definitely like there's the aftermath and he ends up committing suicide and that's why he doesn't end up achieving perfection in that life because he is unable to like kind of 
to continue the work that he was doing or or whatever but um so I did like that life the other life I really liked um was the last life so well some of the lives are in the future and some of the lives are in the past which I also thought was cool and like the lives that were in the future reference things that happened in previous lives like the comment or whatever but in this in this last life he is in a space shuttle and then his dad is killed for like standing up to power and then him his mother and his twin siblings are sent to this like island moon of jupiter this is the science fiction part when you say it out loud it sounds fucking crazy but it didn't feel crazy when i was reading it exactly that's why i was like yeah that was what it was it was it was an (laughs) island on uh, on the moon europa of jupiter why not? Because they had come from sure. Ganymede, the other moon, one of the other moons. Anyways, and they they were like a slave people. They were like forced to do work for the monitors who were like bad guys. And like they all had crazy funny names because someone had a, an ancient book called I Want My MTV. Yes, and it was I- about like the 2000s. And there's like references to like the Spice Girls, like someone's named Posh and someone's named Chili, which I have to think is for uh, TLC. And someone is named Old Deuteronomy, which I don't know if you know this reference, but that's the old, one of the old cats in the musical Cats. I do know that reference, okay. but I actually didn't think about it until you just said it. And I was like, wait, I know where this is going. There's also a Jenna Dots, which is Jenny Annie Dots in Cats. It's like oh, another reference to Cats. It's the one who like, also my musical theater nerd is showing right now but I don't care because I love cats get off me don't at me I've actually never seen it but I'm seeing it next year and I'm very excited I'm so and jealous everyone's like why are you so excited to see cats I'm like have you heard the music cats like- is amazing wait till you see magical Mr. Mistopheles do his dance number it is to die for it's gonna be here next year that's why I'm seeing oh, it oh well yes. can I come yeah we should so we'll be here next year talking about cats on the stacks. Um, but anyways, so there's like this really cool world and they're like forced to do all this terrible stuff for these bad guys. And then basically like how he achieves perfection is he tells everybody this. It's called the parable of Jonathan Yaya. And it's essentially this guy, Jonathan Yaya, is scared to do everything. And then he dies and death is like, I'll let you go back. I'll, I'm going to do this really nice thing for you. And I'm also going to do this really cruel thing for you. And the nice thing is that I'm going to let you go back and live one life. And the cruel thing is that I'm going to let you go back and live one or one day. And the cruel thing is that I'm going to let you go back and live one day. So he goes back and he like tells the bully, like, go fuck yourself. He tells the woman that he always loved. He like kisses her. And then he realizes like, it's not so bad. Yeah. And if- he quits his job that he hates and gets yeah. a new job. Yeah. yeah, and he goes and gets a new job, and he realizes, like, his life could have been so much more if he wasn't scared of everything. So then uh, Milo comes back to all the people, and he's like, look, we're already dead. Like, we're already – if these people want to kill us, they can kill us. Like, if they want to abuse us, they can abuse us. But if we don't do what they say, if we stand up for ourselves, if we don't allow ourselves to be bullied anymore, like, we could change the universe that we live in. Um, and so then the people on the island, all the MTV lovers, they, they're like, fuck it. We're just going to say no to these bad guys. And they do. And the world does end. They all die basically, but they broadcast their message to the world. It's very Twitter, very social media activist. Um, they've broadcast a video of it to the other people in like the Jupiter moon galaxy. And it's just, and that's how he achieves his perfection that he empowers people. And they say, um, in the book, 
they say here, this is actually a quote this time. Um, the moral of the Jonathan Yaya parable is if everyone agreed to suffer pain or death rather than be treated unjustly, greedy people could never again gain power, which is essentially, I would, I'm going to venture to guess something that Michael Floor feels very strongly about. Cause that is kind of all the things he talks about boil down to like, you don't, get abused if you don't allow yourself to be walked over if you stand up for yourself and the people around you if you sacrifice yourself as the cow whatever it is that you are you know enabling the world to be better in the future kind of so I really liked that I thought it was cool I thought I thought the the world was interesting it had humor and some really some real tragedy the twins yeah and how they made them torture each other like but it was they made them have sex with each yeah, other yeah that that part was, was really weird. yeah sad yeah that was sad which one did you like least fuck i don't know <laughs> i i just i oh i didn't like this wasn't technically a life this was in the afterlife or the right. middle or whatever they called mm-hmm. it where he was like with the camel juggler guy and was like yeah. trying to juggle water i just was like this could have been cut I, this is where the book dragged. That was where the book dragged. Yeah, I, I didn't really see the full point of that story. Right. I yeah. think it was something on the lines of like, you shouldn't waste your time trying to do the perfect thing that's impossible, which is like right. juggle water. Yeah. And then remember how he thought he was juggling babies for a second? And then it and was they're really dolls. <laughs> yeah. The thing about the book that I did like is that it had a lot of humor in it. It did. Like, it was like, just kidding. Yeah, it was like dolls. funny, weird, like kind of cheeky. And so when things didn't always work, there were there was always something that I was like hmm about like I was like that's interesting like he mixed in things that I didn't care about with things that I was like oh cool yeah exactly so so I did like I yeah that life I don't know that life was like the least favorite mm-hmm. I actually liked his first life where he was like the little guy who didn't oh grow. I liked that one too and they threw him like as a ball and to try to cross the ravine but he, yeah, he ended he, up dying yeah yeah he was like Milo it was some Greek names for Greek sounding yeah names. I like that. I also, um, I also liked. I liked how he was went to different places and different countries, and he lived mm-hmm. lives all over the world. And it wasn't just like this, like white guy. Right. Life. He was even a woman in he some was of a the woman sometimes. Yeah, sometimes and animals. Yeah. Also, him and death were like women sometimes, and I think that was also why I didn't really feel like it was a you know traditional mm-hmm. love heterosexual relationship. It, I don't even think it was really always right. a like sexual relationship between them because he said at the end that they came back sometimes as sisters and right. all these different sort of or like I think there were animals that they came back as so I think it was just about a different kind of love well, that they were yeah, yeah the they cosmic were like, love sure and I also it dawned on me after I finished the book I was like oh they were soulmates oh <laughs> I know right I feel like that was the whole point right like yeah, because their souls their really soul. they weren't like she wasn't human. And right. And like it was his soul that kept coming back and was yeah. like connected to her. I, of course I was like, "Oh, they're soulmates. I get it." The like I like think so hard about the book. I'm like, "Ooh, what can I take from this? What can we talk about on the podcast?" And then I'm like, "Oh, they're soulmates." Me you too. Idiot. Like, oh, like the most basic. Yeah, I'm like, "Oh, his name was Milo. Cool, cool, cool. Got it." Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. 
That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. But yeah, the book, yes, the cosmic love, everything was like bigger than, which I liked because you can make things heightened when you're talking about the afterlife. But I have a question that I did not understand. I really hope that you understood. Okay. Why did Nan or Nan have so many cats? I don't know. Were they supposed to represent something I don't, or she's just like yeah. it was just supposed to be funny like oh haha, she, like she has a lady. bunch of cats well I thought maybe because like so they say that in the like afterlife everything is like the epitome of that thing like the most pure version so like right so you, yeah so she was like a cat lady the purest cat lady so that's why she had like so many cats and she liked like wheel of fortune and like I don't <laughs> yeah, know she's like what was that line about the canceled tv show I don't remember. It was the name of one of the chapters. Oh, I don't remember. Um, and she said it. She was like, oh, that show's been canceled or something. I oh, don't... she said your soul can be like a canceled TV, canceled like a TV oh, show. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. She was like a total like cat. I guess that's what it was. Like she was like the epitome of a cat woman, but she was like the meaner one. Mama was the nicer one, right? Yeah. I kind of got them confused in my Na- head. Was it Nan or Nana? I think it was Nan. Nan? Yeah, she was kind of the buzzkill, like, eh, not so fast. Yeah, and then, nice. Like, Mama would be like, you did really good. And yeah. she'd be like, you did fine. Yeah. But you didn't do like perfect. Like, three stars. Yeah. yeah. She's like, she's like my book reviews. <laughs> three stars. Sorry. It was Salt, fiction. It yeah. was just okay. It was just fine. It was fine. Like, not everything's five stars, people. Yeah. Some things are two. And some things yeah. are one. Um, I, did you like the ending? What did you think of them achieving perfection and like going? I did like the way that they achieved perfection. I thought that was really great because um, I kind of wasn't sure how he was going to have them do it right. because there were some parts where I was like, that was pretty good. Like I I was a little bit surprised that that wasn't good enough, but I really liked the way they did. And um, 
also just how it went through the last chapter was just a bunch of different um lives that him and Susie had together and there was one that was kind of a continuous I think it was in the early it was like late 1800s in Michigan early 1900s and that was kind of sweet and the last line was really funny to me because I kind of was like oh that's how we're ending this book because he was trying to tell Susie I'm proud of you and they were really old at this point and she didn't really hear him and he said it again and then she said I'm tired of you too. And that was how it ended. And that was just kind of funny yeah, to me. It was like kind of weird, but also like, I feel like it makes sense. Yeah. It like, kind of made sense with the tone of the book. Yeah. So. It felt right. Yeah. But it was also like, that's how, like, yeah, I guess also, that's perfection though. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> isn't that sometimes how it goes? Um, so, how yeah. did you feel about it? So, okay. I don't know if I fully understood it, which this happens to me a lot. I, people are like, Oh, I love the ending. And I'm like, I don't get it. Um, I think, this is what I took from it. You tell me if this sounds at all like what you saw. They achieve perfection. Mm-hmm. They go into the oversoul together. And so they become like souls connected forever. So every life, like I guess they still have to keep coming back as lives. That's where I was kind of. That's what I was confused with. Yeah. I just thought they would stay in the oversoul. That's so what I, I thought, thought the long continuous life was in the oversoul. That was their life. But I thought that they were still, like, being reincarnated. Right. And I guess my question was, when you go to the Oversoul, like, do you have a choice to, like, keep going back? Is that what they were choosing That's what I didn't understand And that's why I was a little bit confused about. Right. Because I thought once they went in there, they were just in there. And so, yeah, it was a little bit when they were talking about all those different lives. I'm like, is this before the, I, but I didn't think it was before the Oversoul. Well, I don't I thought think it was after. Been together before the yeah. Oversoul because he only had that one life left. Exactly. And oh yeah, that's right. Was so. Death. so yeah, that's what I didn't understand. Yeah. I liked the life that they lived together. I wasn't wild about the fact that Susie ran a gun shop. I really would have liked her yeah. to have a candle shop. Yeah. I kind of was like, that's random. And yeah. I thought it would have been a nice tie in to have the candle shop. But maybe it was because she was death. So they were trying to show like, I don't know. Maybe it was maybe I'm commentary. I don't know. I I was like, really? Okay, I guess. Yeah, it seemed a little bit out of the character character and context of the book. Sure, I totally agree. I was like, hmm, a gun shop. I don't know. Um, Okay, the Buddha life. Yeah. Did you think that killing Buddha was an act of perfection or no? Demented Buddha. I kind of thought it was a little bit too. Like I kind of was like I. I think it is. And that's why I was kind of surprised because I think he really felt like he wasn't doing it for, you know, pride. And cause that was the huge thing that you can't achieve it if you're doing it for that. So I kind of thought he was, it was. And so that's why I was kind of surprised when they said it wasn't. Yeah. What did you think? You thought it was I too? I thought so too. I thought like he was trying to make it so that Buddha like wasn't embarrassing himself Right. When he would like travel to the towns and he could tell that he was like in, he was suffering, not understanding what was going on. Um, I also liked how the same poison that he poisoned Buddha with ended up poisoning him and his friend. I was like, that's great. That yeah. was like, I, I, those moments was kind of like tongue in cheek moments through the books. Those are the ones where I was like, yeah, 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 sure. I got it. Um, but I definitely, I thought it was, I mean, I knew that it wasn't when I was reading it cause I saw how much of the book was left, but yeah. I thought that it was based on the definition like that he he had killed this like perfect human 
I also loved that in that life them talking about how meditation is just like whatever. Yeah. Because I feel like I pretend to try to meditate and I'm like, I can't do it. I'm thinking about my toenail polish. Yeah. Didn't they say they were talk- thinking about like cats or cats. something? Yeah. Cats, 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 cats. cats. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I can't really meditate either. I always just start thinking about stuff. Right. But yeah, it was, I mean, it, was it not because he was a perfect human, but would a I don't know, like what like a perfect, if he had killed a non-perfect perfect person, human, if he wasn't perfect and he had done it, would it have counted? I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Like, in the end, Mom is like, I got it, I understood the Buddha thing, right? So they didn't at first, and so now they do, and they're like, oh, we should have just, I let you. Do I, I honestly it. have no, I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was perfect. I understood that it was perfect when he was doing it. I was like, oh, this is the perfect thing. I get it, but clearly they didn't feel that way about him and it right so I thought it was interesting that they kind of admitted they made a mistake about yeah. it though and like it that. is kind of interesting that like I know we were kind of talking about who are mama and non exactly like are they advisors yeah. part of the universe but that they're the ones are they the ones that got to decide that or was it the I think universe, it's the universe itself because yeah. they always said two and two equals four right so, like they're so not in control so yeah. So maybe the universe still didn't think it was perfect, but right. Mama was just saying, like, I get what you were trying to do. Right. They knew the intention of it. Yeah. No, it wasn't, I guess, what they were looking for. Yeah. I, 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 I liked it. I thought, I mean, I liked that it was like kind of controversial because it was like, wow, do I think that's perfect or do I think that's bad? But I also mm-hmm. think we as a people now understand who Buddha is, right? But like that was in the BC era. It was like 5000 BC. So in that moment, Buddha could have just been like another cult leader, you know? Right. Like he didn't really he knew that Buddha was perfect. Like he could see his perfection and he talked about it. He's like he's perfect. Um but he was perfect because he was wise and also present in the moment. And like, that was kind of what Milo thought made him perfect. Right. I don't know if this is too much of a reach, but do you think he's making commentary about physician assisted suicide at all? Because of like how people, well, yeah, I definitely think like if there's a tie into that, just be, and I only think of that because of how much other other stuff stuff is is in there too. And it's political. Well, like allowing people to die with dignity. Yeah. Like that whole not necessarily, yeah, you know, physician assisted, su- but yeah, the whole dying with dignity and, sure. you know, Choosing, retaining yeah. your pride and your reputation, I guess. Sure. Too. Well, it was definitely to preserve his reputation because yeah. he was like, he keeps going around and he's demented. Like, he's gonna embarrass himself and he's, people are gonna see him as like sub optimal Buddha and they're going to realize that he's only human and it's going to take away from all of his teachings and that kind of stuff. Exactly. So he was helping the greater good essentially. So that's why I think it's perfect. Ditto. Perfection. Um, What did you think of the title? I think the title is like fine. I mean, it, it is basically what the book is. I mean, it, did you think blues was color or like music? Like, what did you think? Blues I thought was sadness. Like, before going into it because I kind of felt like oh you're gonna die and come back to life again that's kind of sad and but kind of now thinking about it it's the blue it's not necessarily about Milo himself I think it's about just the universe and the world and he was kind of you know all the things he's talking about about how there was a lot about how the humans are were treating earth and how 
earth was gone and all that. So there was a lot about, he was definitely making a point about global warming and whatnot. And so I think he's referring to the blues is the sadness of the human race I think, sure. in general and just the pr- problems our society is facing. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. I like that. <laughs> How about you? I kind of just thought about it more like, I thought about like the music, like the blues uh-huh. where it's kind of just like this like genre of like sadness but beautiful blues music is beautiful Mm -hmm. but like the sadness is kind of what drives it like the darkness so it's kind of like i sing the reincarnation blues you know like i don't know (laughs) that's like kind of how i had it in my mind when i picked up the book um i don't know i i'm sure there are a million other titles he could have gone with Uh so i I, you know i'd be so curious to think like i would love to talk to him because i feel like i would have so many questions for him about like why and how he did what he did exactly and his intent like yeah yeah because i feel like also a lot of people when i posted that we were going to do this book on the show a lot of people reached out and were like oh my god i loved it i cried so hard and then a lot of people were like that book was not good Mm -hmm. and usually when i post a book i get very clear feedback from people who have read it either that it's good or not and this book was one of the first ones where i got like very strong like mixed and it's still not a book that a lot of people have read so I was kind of interested in that and I I understand people who didn't like the book Mm -hmm. I don't know if I understood the book enough to love the book yeah I feel the same way I can see why people wouldn't like it yeah I can but I don't think I fully have understand like love it right I, I mean I did like it and it was entertaining and I liked what he had to say yes I was it just was presented in, in a way that I'm not really used to because I don't really read like these this. kinds of fiction books yeah. like I don't really read science fiction mm-hmm. but it was interesting and I'm glad I read it though yeah I really liked Michael Poor. I liked his point of view I liked his opinions on society a lot like mm-hmm. for that stuff this book was five stars to me but the actual story itself like everything all together was probably only three stars but I feel like I got a lot of perspective and interesting thoughts and ideas and like I want to go read that Alice Walker short stories um that he credits for the love trials um yeah I do too I didn't know that I hadn't read the acknowledgments actually oh, it'll be so in the I'm, show notes links to it everybody I'm glad you told me that because yeah. I do want to read that that sounds super it interesting. sounds really cool um but so the the book was, I don't know, people who loved the book. What I'm trying to say is those of you who read the book and loved it, will you message me and Lauren? You can group message us on Instagram. I'm at the Stacks Pod. She's at little, literary Lauren underscore. And just tell us what you loved about the book. I just, I think we're both really curious. If this book was like a five star for you and there's someone I'm speaking to specifically and you know who you are, I'm going to message you later. Um, <laughs> I want to know, I want to know what, what it was that you loved and not that you should feel weird about it. I just, I'm curious because I feel like I understand loving this book. I just don't think I quite understood it enough to get myself there. Does yeah. That make sense? Yeah. That makes sense. Cause I okay. feel pretty much the same way. Right. Because yeah, I had heard some people cried at the end and I, a pretty easy cry at a book okay. and I didn't. <laughs> so I was like, am I missing something? Uh, yeah. So I'm definitely really curious I'm just yeah I'm so curious 
the people who who really loved, loved it, it like that it really hit a nerve with you yeah. and not that you have to like defend yourself or anything you know I don't care what people like and don't like I'm just curious what it what worked and maybe some of you could also explain the ending to us just in case and Michael Poore if you're listening you could also explain the ending or you could come on the podcast and talk about it you know whatever it's open it's an open invitation um I know what I do want to talk about so there's like 500,000 characters in this book but there's basically four main characters Nilo Susie Nan and Mama if you well first of all do you think this book would make a good movie or tv show I feel like it could make a good tv show just because of the different lives and Mm -hmm. I feel like they could expand on each one Mm -hmm. and it would just make more sense probably to a viewer because a lot of viewers like necessarily haven't necessarily read the book so I feel like probably tv show is the best avenue for it um yeah how about you I do. I think TV show. I think I was thinking kind of between like, would each life, like the last six lives, would each of those be their own like season or Mm -hmm. would you do each episode was a life kind of thing? Right. You could go either way, like a limited series or something. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think it would be good. Um, Do you know what what movie it kind of reminded me of is Big Fish. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I haven't. It's kind of, I mean- like the con, like the insides of it, the story are not mm-hmm. the same, but like kind of the fi- fantastical, magical realism kind of like I kept uh-huh. thinking like this is kind of big fish like, yeah. Um, but you know, I don't know. It's just because like weird and different. I've never read anything like this before, so it- I haven't really either. No, because I've read yeah. some like science fiction, some magical realism, but this was like cool, weird, interesting, political, political, magical yeah. realism. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have people that you would cast in this? I was, you know, thinking, who would I cast for Milo? And I really kind of, like, couldn't think of anyone at first, but, like, maybe, like, a Joaquin Phoenix or something. Oh, so you have him older. I, I have, have him older, time with but it's age. hard because the age changes so much. So, like, I don't really know what age. Right. I feel like if it was a TV show, for instance, they'd probably have to have get to have multiple ones. people. Yeah. So you have him kind of more brooding. Yeah. Like a little darker, a little more troubled. Yeah. Huh. That's I have a just a to- I have a few people because I like as I was reading I was thinking about it. So I had Joseph Gordon Levitt. Okay, I could see, but that. he's like a little more optimistic, like right. curious, like puppy dog. And then I also had um for my older kind of uh-huh. version of Milo, not the same one, but just like older. I had John Cusack, who's like kind of like a disheveled kind of guy, you know. Like I kind of had that, and then I also had <laughs> Dev Patel. Okay, because I kind of like the idea of him being like a little more ethnic. Yeah. Because he lived in so, like... So many different skits. I mean, yeah, you, like, so long ago. So like there weren't, shoes, yeah. there weren't, like, white people, just, mm-hmm. like, European people in 5,000 B.C., mm-hmm. right? And, like, also in the future, I imagine that, you know, there's going to be more shades of human, not less. Exactly. So I kind of like the idea of, like, him or, like, a Jesse Williams, like, someone oh, who's, yeah, like, just, them. like, a, a brown, a brown person. Mm-hmm. I just thought that that kind of, like, felt... Because you could fit in so many different worlds that way. Exactly. Like, what is what is Joaquin Phoenix doing in Africa? Like, in an African <laughs> village. You know what I mean, though? But yeah, I guess you're maybe right. I didn't think about color. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I could see someone like Jesse, well, you know, who they can, you know, Make it him. makes sense for him to be anywhere, essentially. But like, then also, yeah. maybe if it's just your soul, every season in every life is a different actor. That's kind of what I was, it would be someone different. Cause there was like the, 
the one where he's on the sun and he's kind of I kind of pictured like Matthew McConaughey in that sure one. yeah <laughs> but not in like other ones you right know? oh that's so, like true. Joaquin Phoenix I kind of pictured in some of those like the then, Buddha like, one yeah or like the juggler one yeah where he's a little more you know off the map beaten sure. road kind of thing so, like, maybe you have one actor who plays afterlife yeah him represents his soul who represents his soul and then Every mm-hmm. other life, it's just like a different person. So when he's in India, he's Indian. Yeah, when he's in, when he's yeah, when yeah. he's in Vienna and he gets catapulted, he's like a white blonde guy or whatever. Yeah. I never really thought about that, but that's kind of good. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about Susie? I had a lot of Susies. Do you have any Susies? I I didn't really think about who I would. Who's yours? And maybe uh, I'll okay, think well, about I'll it while you answer. So as long as we don't cast Joseph Gordon as. <laughs> As Milo. I also had Zoe De Chanel as oh. Susie, but they can't do it again because they did 500 Days of Summer. So, yeah. But I also, okay, so I also had Zoe Kravitz. Oh, yes. I love her. And then I also had Lupita Nyongo. She would be fabulous. Wouldn't she be I mean, great? When is she's not? When has she ever been bad in anything? <laughs> um, and then I also had, do you know, do you ever watch Orange is the New Black? Yes. Do you know who Jackie Cruz is? She plays Flocka. She's like kind of like the you know the two pretty girls mm-hmm. Latina who yes. are like is she the taller one she's a little yes, bit taller with the bangs yes yes yeah I kind of had her because she's kind of like weird funny serious tough soft uh-huh. I don't know I just really like her and I thought that would be kind of a cool Susie because Susie has contained so much like she's right. compassionate but she's also tough and she's like doesn't like to take shit from people but I don't know I just I was like yeah. Jackie Cruz would be good so those are some of mine oh I think Zoe Kravitz is a really you good choice because I kind of picture yeah someone who's just very ethereal like a little bit you yeah. know and but she's you know not super you know she has dimensions to right you know she's super dimensional so I think she could play a lot of yeah. that really yeah. well so I think she would be good yeah so, yeah and then I, I mean I I like really got into this as I was reading the book so I have like lots okay I'll just tell you mine and then you tell me if you have any for yours because okay. I clearly prepared for this assignment because <laughs> I knew I was wanted to talk about it um for mama I had Gina Davis oh, okay because she's like mama is like the more loving one and I just love Gina Davis but I also had um Tracy Ellis Ross from oh yes, she would be great. Wouldn't she be good? And then for non, she's funny too. Because she's funny and she's like maternal. But then for non, I had Sandra O. Oh. oh yeah, because she's like kind of like the meaner one. I also had Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, I because I wasn't quite sure how to place people, uh-huh. but I kind of thought like if you had like Whoopi Goldberg and like Sally Field as like Mama and Nan, like. I don't know. Uh-huh. Can you see Whoopi Goldberg with like thousands of cats, like wearing her like big baggy <laughs> loose clothes and just being like, get out of here. I yeah, that would be good. Did I you ca- have anybody? I kind of think for mama, maybe Octavia Spencer I would be a good that. choice yeah, that's too. A good one. Yeah. So, but yeah, non's hard with all the cats. Um, yeah. Cause she has to be like kind of weird and also yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Just, you know, wanting her. Yeah. And then there's all the like bazillion other characters, which like that would make for a good TV show too, because right. you have so many so cameos, many, and you could develop them more. And who's whatnot. making this into a TV show? We want to see it. We think you could do a good job, people. Yeah, Michael Porter, let us be your agent. <laughs> we'll help you. We'll get this made. Um, do you have anything else that you want to talk about the book? Anything else you want to say? Um, I don't really think so, but yeah, I definitely would like to see an adaptation because I think 
with all the magical qualities in it that it could be and it could have a point to you know point of view and it yeah. could be really cool it could be really cool while I didn't love this book like it's mm-hmm. not the best book I read this year for me I do weirdly encourage people to check it out yes because it's a pretty easy read it's not short but it's not um I mean it's 370 pages but they're big pages it's a hardback still um and it's interesting and it does make you think even if you don't feel it so I yeah, it's a quick read. It's engaging. Yeah. Like, I don't think you would really regret Yeah, I know this. some people didn't like it, but obviously some people are not going to like everything. So exactly. I feel like it would be a cool read for you. If Also, if you've gotten this far and you haven't read it, you're not going to read it because we just spoiled the entire book. But I warned you in the beginning. Okay, everybody, that's it. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. We're so happy. You can find, I'm going to post where you can find Lauren on social media, where you can find us. Um, Don't forget to subscribe to the show, rate and review, you know, all that good stuff. It really goes a long way. So if you'll take 30 seconds right now, just rate and review this show if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Okay, that's everything. Thank you so much. And we will see you guys in the stacks. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to our guest, Lauren Fanella. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to this show. If you're interested in contributing to what we're doing here, go to patreon.com slash the stacks. We greatly appreciate anything you can contribute to making this show a reality. Thank you to our graphic designer, Robin McCrite. Thank you to our theme music from Tagirgis. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. 